you know, the thank you choir for that. You know, with that uh, message, <clears throat> I don't feel like I need to preach anymore because <laughs> they, they said exactly what I wanted to say. Um, it is really a treat to be here. Um, we were here, my wife and I and my daughter Rebecca were here four years ago, um, and it's a privilege to be invited back. Um, actually, Patty and Becky, this Sunday are in um, Seattle. Our home congregation is in Seattle, and we are currently studying um, trying to fill this kind of dense brain in Wheaton, Illinois, at Wheaton College. And um, <clears throat> Patty Peterson called me uh, with Russ's invitation and says, would you be interested in coming to California to speak? And, and it was snowing outside, and I said, sure. <laughs> every, every time she came, or called, it was snowing. Every time she came, called. And uh, I've decided that um, when you folks meet Jesus face to face and you're in heaven and we meet together, you folks are going to have to take a step down in living conditions. <laughs> the day before we left, it snowed another inch. And so winter will, we've had the most snow in Illinois on record this year. So it has been a good transition for us from the deserts of Peru. My, my daughter, Rachel, now married and living in Virginia, came home from a long day at work and and uh, ate supper and uh, plopped into bed. She was rather fatigued, and she put on her glasses to read a little bit, and it was all fuzzy. She was greatly perplexed about this, and she took her glasses off and says, it's clear as crystal. Put her, put her glasses off and says, it is so fuzzy. And so she thought to herself, maybe God has healed me. Maybe God has healed my vision. It's an Easter miracle. God has healed my vision. And then she took off her glasses, fuzzy. Uh, took off her glasses, clear, put on her glasses, fuzzy. And then she realized that she still had her contacts in. <laughs> but God comes today to give us an Easter miracle of healed vision, corrective lenses, so to speak. He gathers with these fearful disciples behind locked doors, and he, he joins them, he comes to them, and he says, very, something very important in John 20, 20. Isn't that interesting? John 20, 20. He says, he showed them his hands and his side. And they rejoiced when they saw the Lord. They rejoiced when they saw the Lord. They were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. My father-in-law had cataract surgery a year ago, 81 years old, and now he sees a 20-20 vision. But more importantly, he can see Jesus with 20-20 vision. Sharing the gospel in Peru is our greatest delight. We see the changes that Jesus does in people's hearts. And, and one of the things that has really impressed me about your pastor, you know, I am so impressed with your pastor. I am praying that God is merciful to you and leaves him here because I'm praying that he comes to Peru to help us. <laughs> But one of the things that I heard, well, you know, yeah. One of the things I heard that... laughing because they want me to go. <laughs> one of the things I heard that attracted him to the vision of this congregation was your vision of outreach. You wanted to reach out in your community. Uh, you were the church that didn't want to die. And you know, it's amazing that as you worship Jesus today, as we see him with new eyes, you are worshiping with believers in the Philippines and in Eritrea and in other places around the world, places where you, your heart has led your prayers. And you're praying, 
You're, you are worshiping with several hundred in Chiclayo today. Isn't that amazing? You, you have Sunday schools and outreaches in many communities. And um, our God is so good to bind us together. And I didn't plan it this way, but I think um, there are three words I want to leave with you today that comes from a, par- a little parable that Jesus taught. I don't know if you remember the, the story of when he, Jesus taught about the kingdom is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a person found it, he or she hid it again and in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought the field. Think about those three words, in his joy. He found the treasure. The seeker found the treasure of treasures. He was searching. He had dug a long time. He had found the treasure. What is that treasure? It's the gospel. It's Jesus loves us. Every one of you today will hear the gospel. You are part of the privileged few of our world that will hear the gospel. But when you find that gospel, it's of such worth to your life. You are overjoyed. Did you hear that in our 2020 passage? In, they were overjoyed. It calls, this kingdom discovery calls to self-sacrifice. It's so great, so overwhelming, of such great fortune, it obliges us to, to look at life radically different and realign all that we have. Jesus insists that this is what, is what life in the kingdom is like. And if you, um, you listen to Peter, the, the, apostle, uh, the, the disciple Peter in our epistle today, he says, Believing in Jesus, even without seeing him, is with an indescribable and glorious joy. I'll never forget our first Good Friday service in Peru some 22 years ago. There was a massive festival. People clad in black were marching through the streets, carrying crosses, recounting different events during Jesus' last week on earth. It was stunningly unbelievable to me that after all the pomp and circumstances on Friday, the streets on Easter were empty. There was no one there. I tried to imagine all the... I'm sure they can believe that Jesus relates to their grief, their suffering, their tragedies in life. Yet, I tried to imagine they don't believe in a Savior that has resurrection power. No celebration no Easter songs, no triumph of the cross, no empty tomb. The Apostle Paul talks about people who hold a form of religion but deny its power. In a class this week I heard, we make a big deal of of Christmas in in the Christian tradition, but it doesn't hold a candle to the power of Easter. And I think it's right. We are Easter people. I pitied them profoundly. They knew the superficial Good Friday events, but didn't have that Easter hope, that drive, that that good fortune, that exceeding abundant joy that Peter talks about. And Peter says that this has eternal significance. He says, you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The vision we have of our Lord is often fuzzy, often distorted, like my daughter putting on and taking off her glasses. It's a, it's a distorted vision. 
Because in the midst of life's anxiety, it's awfully difficult to live with 2020 vision. Several months ago, I was walking home with Juana, a woman from our church. Uh, Juana is a 50-ish type uh, woman, uh, grew up in a small village, literally the sticks of Olmos. We had just come from prayer. Wanda, Juana was a faithful attendee at our, at our prayer meetings. And I'll never forget the comment Juana made. She says, I had been praying for five years that God would send me someone to teach me the Bible. And now as I'm able to read the Bible and understand it, and this is the word she says, I have a great and abiding joy. Juana, as a believer, had faith, and her faith was being tested by fire. Um, her husband, Orlando, had accepted the inevitable economic survival decision and had to take a job in the southern end of the country in Peru and had worked there for four years. He had come home and found, that very, it found it very discouraging that he wasn't able to find work in Chiclayo for years. He, even, he was 50 years old, and the job market was closed for him. Juana was a good cook and made umitas, or kind of like a corn tamale. And uh, she started making them three times a week and then nightly. Orlando was a loyal help to her and went and did the marketing and ground the corn and went to the bus stop and sold those corn umitas every night. In 1 Peter, we hear these words, In this you rejoice, even though now for a while you suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Trials come. They come to us, don't they? We're bathed every week in a new trial. God seems far away. In our fear, just like those disciples, we run and we close and sometimes we lock the door. Did you notice in John's gospel, uh, the disciples had not yet believed. They were behind locked doors, fearful. And in Peter's gospel, there's also that reference. Even though you don't see him, oftentimes during life we don't see clearly Jesus, what he's doing, where, when will he come to deliver us, how will that deliverance happen? Our lives are full of anxiety and pain and frustration. Perhaps we are experiencing a severe conflict this morning in our hearts. And I believe Jesus comes to us just as he came to Thomas, lovingly comes to Thomas, and he quotes the very words that Thomas said to him. You need proof that I love you? You need proof? Here they are. And it's interesting that Jesus' life, Jesus' body for all eternity will bear those scars. And what do they say? I love you. You want to know my love for you? Look at me. Look at my side. Look at my hands. I love you. Our little trials, our little testing by fire gets us to doubt and fear and says, Oh God, when will you come and help? And he comes to us this morning and says, I love you. Patty and I are privileged to see how God, over time, forms disciples in Peru. We've been there 22 years. 
And we see people struggle. We don't deliver them from their struggles. God does in his way, in his timing. So we take a teaching role. And that's what, what I'm here today to, to do, to teach you that in your struggles you can depend on God. And God gives Juana three things and has given Juana three things to build her up as a disciple. He gave her a Christian friend, Luisa. He gave her the joy-instilling word of God. And he gave her a local congregation, a local church. In Las Brisas, we started there about 20, uh, 20 some years ago. And we have about 20,000 people around us. This is one of our three congregations we, we have in Chiclayo. And Felicia, we, what really took off was our children's program. We had a women's program, and then a children's program uh, exploded with about 80 kids each week. And Felicia was an adorable eight-year-old daughter, and uh, she came home to Juana, her mom, and says, Mom, you just have to come. And uh, Juana came. She began to be involved and soon became immersed in that. Juana prayed for five years that God would send her someone to, to show her the Bible. And, and Juana was given a friend, a neighbor, by the name of Luisa. And Luisa was a Christian, a faithful listener, and a devout prayer. And her witness had credibility. Luisa's witness had credibility. Life had not gone smoothly for Luisa either. And that's another sermon, that's another time. Yet despite illness and family problems, unemployment, and the rest, and maybe I should say because of these problems, Luisa's faith was genuine. And it caused Juana to hold on and to believe. That hope-instilling faith caused them both to be an anchor to one another. God will give us a Christian friend today. Maybe that's one way we will start in our faith walk is, is to hold on to a Christian friend. The second thing that God will give us is, is his word. Um, in John 9, in the reading from last Sunday, there's a little, little passage that says, in verse 9, up till then they didn't understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Jesus will always lead us back to his scripture. And that's why it's so important um, to ground people in scripture. Can I tell you, real, this is, I'm, I'm going to say this more during the Sunday school hour. This isn't in my sermon. This is a freebie. <laughs> um, we have had the scriptures in our languages for 500 years. Blessed Martin translated the Bible into German, into English. The Bible has become available and, and in Peru since 1962. They've waited 450 more years until after Vatican II and the Catholic Church changed their, their mind and says, it's good to read the Bible. So all the ethical decisions, all the life that we've received in Western Christendom is a result of reading Scripture. So we have a new... It's an exciting time to be a missionary in Latin America because we have a new Reformation. There's a spontaneous awakening of faith. Yet people need to be taught what the scripture says. And this is where Pepe comes in. Pepe responded like that joy seeker. And, and you know that treasure hidden in the field is kind of like what you're going to do next week when you're going you're to open up that field with a shovel. 
But what you're digging down to isn't dirt or bricks or mortar or steel or concrete. What you're digging down to is the gospel's changing power in your lives. And that's brought by the word. That's brought by the word. I wish I could be here for that. Because it's a reflection of the gospel's power in your life. And that's what's happening, happening to Pepe. Pepe is our pastor in Las Brisas. And I'll never forget the vivid testimony that Pepe gave several years ago. We were, re, we were in a Saturday night Bible study. I can remember it as if it was yesterday. And we were reading Galatians 1, 15. And Pepe said, this is the words, God who set me apart before I was born and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me. And you could see the wheels turning. Through Pepe's eyes, you could see the wheels of his brain turning. Out loud, he ran the words over in his head, and then he joyfully marveled at the grace of God. And he said to me, God had a call on my life before I was born. That's how I understand this word. God has a call on your life. You have a purpose in this world. You are giving testimony. It's amazing every, how many times after the resurrection, Jesus looks at them and says, you are my witnesses. We can't avoid that. We are all called to be witnesses. You give us the privilege of being, you are witnesses in Chiclayo. You are witnesses in Mindanao. You are witnesses in Eritrea. You are witnesses around the world by this congregation. You are witnesses of the resurrection, of the joy-instilling power of the word. Yet Pepe has known a profound remorse in his life as well. His life has had many serious detours. He began his life as a promising university student, uh, ambitious, planning to go to medical school. And as often is the case, family struggles, a country sinking into chaos and violence, and other social problems derailed his best intentions. Pepe became involved in our church six years ago. It is now as serving as pastor. We're hoping that this year we'll be able to install him as our official pastor. We're working with a congregation to kind of think through how, what should be the criteria of, of our pastors. Um, has his life gone smoothly? No. But this, is, this Easter Jesus came to Pepe in his locked doors and whispered words of hope and forgiveness to him. And he has become a learner, a disciple, a witness of his sufferings. He has not resisted, but has learned to embrace the way God graciously uses detours and problems and fire and testing to be a disciple of Jesus. And Pepe would be the first one with his big pastoral heart would respond, I have learned that my God is faithful. He is big enough for my need and he is loving enough to help me. As you hear stories of Juana and Pepe and others, I'm going to tell you one more story. I want you to feel that you are connected to the church in Chiclayo. You are vital as you pray for them, as you support them, as you encourage them, as you uh, have more interaction in the future. You are vital as you see this Easter Jesus give them clear vision. And, and I want you to hear those three words, in his joy. They recognize the worth of the gospel 
and all else was secondary. For the church to take root, for the gospel to be preached, for the, the word of God, there are three things that we, we see in this passage today. We see God gives us Christian friends. And then in this case, I told you the story of Juana and Luisa. God gives us a joy-instilling word. And God gives us the local church. I'm going to tell you one more story about a pastor in training named Coco. He lost his father when he was 10 years old. This left a huge hole in Coco's heart. His mother did all she could do uh, to keep this family of four together. Coco did all sorts of odd jobs as a teenager, from carrying water, uh, working in the fields, hauling things in his wagon. Later, years later, Coco's mom remarried to a much older man, not out of any loving affection, but out of economic necessity. Coco is now 27 years old and came to Christ three years ago and feel, feels a definite call on his God to be a pastor of us, to be a pastor of people, to care for, for parishioners. The question Coco needs to face is, who can I depend on? Who can I depend on in this life? And I've seen him grow in his faith, grow in his knowledge of the scriptures, grow in his desire to study. And once again, I see this, this ring true. God uses suffering and obstacles to mold his future church leaders. They're not, they're not sent as a punishment. That's what our doubting faith would cause us to think. But they're sent so that we can comprehend God's love through them. After the resurrection, the fearful disciples had to learn to trust again, didn't they? Their faith life was profoundly shattered. I'm sure they were really mixed up in their emotions. They were behind locked doors for fear of the Jews. And Jesus comes, and what's the first words that Jesus says to them? Peace, peace I leave with you. He says it twice to them. It's interesting that the next Sunday, when, when Thomas is there, they have the doors locked, but it never again mentions that they live in fear. Um, I like the acronym. I'll leave it with you. This is a freebie too. Uh, fear, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. The disciples had the belief that Jesus had abandoned them, that he was gone, that, that the power of the enemy was more powerful than God's power in their life. They lived in fear. And Jesus' resurrection comes to them, and he says, peace. And never again did the disciples, look in the scripture, never again did the disciples live in fear. They can be assured that God is with them, that the power of God is surrounding them. I like Romans 8 where it says, he who did not spare his own son but committed him to the point, the extreme point of offering his life as a sacrifice on the cross, how will he not only, along with this, give you all things? So when that false evidence of life comes and says God is distant, we can't see you, we can't see how you're working, we can't see your intervention, remember that he will give you all things. He who did not spare his own son is willing to come to you. This group of disciples in Chiclayo have learned to trust Jesus. 
It's true for Juana, for Pepe, for Coco, for Lucy, for others. God has given them a new vision, a 2020 vision of sorts. And if you, if you have time, it's really interesting to go through all the 20th chapter of John, and I'm just going to hit the high points. Mary saw that the stone had been removed. Peter saw the strips of linen lying there. John saw and believed. Mary saw, in verse 18, Mary saw and shared her belief with others. Slow down. Oh, choir, thank you for that song. Slow down and see. Fear would come into our lives and says, you cannot trust this one as you take on a huge task next week of groundbreaking. Remember that you're going into that treasure hidden in the field, the gospel power. It doesn't depend on you. It doesn't depend on, you have a great pastor, but it doesn't depend on him. It doesn't depend on this congregation. It depends that we grasp hold of this Jesus in, gospel, in the gospel that says, it's up to me. You want to reach out? I'll give you everything you need to reach out. And it starts by gaining that Easter vision, that 2020 vision. Confusing emotions swirl around us. Heart-wrenching sorrow oftentimes. And it was Jesus' way, these trials were Jesus' way of giving them emotional security. And I'm going to finish by just quoting John 16, because I think Jesus, prior to this, had given them a lesson in the upper room. And it leaves one thing really clear, that we can depend on him. He says, Very truly I tell you, you will weep and you will mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will have pain, but your pain will turn to joy. A woman giving birth no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy of having brought a human being into the world. So now, you here at Reformation will have pain. But I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice. And here's his promise. And no one, no one will take your joy from you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you in your resurrection, have come to us again. You are among us where two or three are gathered to give us that abiding joy, that overflowing joy. And you call us to mission, to service, to see you in a new way. Lord, if there are any here that are struggling with deep and profound emotional problems this morning, we pray that they would learn to see you in a new way, coming to them through locked doors, issuing words of peace. And we thank you for your church, the local church, and the friendships you've given us, and the joy-inspiring word. We thank you for the, the heritage of the gospel, and we pray that we could be faithful, even as you've been faithful to us. Faithful to pass it on in our daily lives and around the world. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.